the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have been exploring the book of Romans here of late. But this week, as we look forward to the celebration of Christmas, we take a brief time out to do just that. Celebrate Christmas. Abounding Grace, coming up next. You know, when it comes to celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are a variety of passages that we can go to. Perhaps none more amazing than what we find here in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, For unto us a child is born. But there's so much more than just that half of the statement. And that's what we'll explore over the course of our next couple of broadcasts. Join us as we celebrate the Christmas season together, the first advent, contracted to a span and comprehensibly made man. This is what we're looking at. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary and today's Abounding Grace. You know, I, I love Christmas. But I don't just love Christmas. I need Christmas. I don't need gifts galore and sentimentality and all the chaos that seems to go with it in these times. But I need Christmas. I need the reminder of God's great gift. The reminder of His plan of salvation. Of His Son the child that he sent. I need to be reminded that he, not man, is in charge and that the Father has set his Son upon the throne at his right hand. I need the cycle of the birth, death, resurrection, glory, and victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Judah desperately needed it also. The period that we are looking at today in Isaiah chapter 9 was marked by an incredible gloom. The nation, the policies of the house of David had been catastrophic for God's people. They had entered into unholy foreign alliances. They had rejected God's word or God's promises. The current king, when Isaiah uttered these words, was Ahaz, who was a very godless king, who even copied the altar that he had seen in Samaria, erected by Teglath-Pelazar, the Assyrian king, and had placed it in the Holy of Holies, in the temple of Jerusalem. There was seemingly irreparable spiritual declension. It didn't look like there was any hope for God's people. Their present miseries had been brought on by numerous acts of their own rebellion against the Lord. 
lawlessness. God sent prophets to them. They didn't listen. And it was very, very gloomy. But they made plans to try and save themselves. Hey, let's go to Egypt. Let's enter into a treaty with the Assyrians. But everything they did made the situation worse and reduced their territory more and more. That is sin. That is a spiral into more sin. Because the more we try to escape sin our way, they are just band-aids at best. Not repenting, not yielding to the Lord, and the worse the predicament becomes. We often think, I've reached the bottom. No, God has trapdoors lower and lower and lower, unless... We return to him in faith and repentance. But the nation was here despairing, as you can see in verses 1 and 2. Galilee is particularly mentioned. It was somewhat outside of Jerusalem. And Teglath-Pelazar had earlier taken this area and resettled it with foreigners. And it was now under the boot of foreign tyranny and oppression. It was a gloomy, gloomy time. And remember who Judah was. Judah wasn't just another one of the nations. Judah was the nation. Judah was the only hope of the world because the promise was that through David's line, the king, the Messiah, the prophet, priest, the king of the nations, would come. So, if Judah is destroyed, where is God's promise? Where is God's covenant? Where is any hope at all? But the Lord comes. He comes as he often does in dark times, giving light, especially when God's people need it. You know, it would be great, men, for you to read with your family, especially this season, Isaiah chapters 7, 9, and 11. These glorious messianic chapters. Chapter 7 is about a virgin that will conceive and bear a son. Chapter 9 is about his kingdom and of its growth. And chapter 11 speaks specifically of what his reign will be like. Now, the Lord says in verse 1 that he wants to make it very clear that this present gloom is temporary. Now, it's real. The Lord has afflicted his people. He's brought trouble into their lives, killing trouble. Assyria is coming in. It's about to take the ten northern tribes in just a couple of years And Judah will be left like an island, surrounded by his enemies. The Lord has afflicted his people. Syria is fighting from the south, Assyria from the north. The ten northern tribes are in the midst of all of this. And soon they will be in captivity in Babylon. But the Lord says, the dimness, the gloom will not last. Isaiah, in these verses, sees into the next seven centuries. 
It's interesting that the verbs, even though they are present tense, they are future. At the same time, they are translated presently. God is meant to give a present hope in future promises, and they are real. A present possession for them. God says in verse 2, a great light will dawn. These people in Galilee who have walked in darkness seem to be particularly struck hard by these foreign armies. But the Lord says, a great light will dawn. So much so in verse 3, that the past joy that they have at certain times like when men divided the spoil of war or they rejoiced in their harvests, that will be nothing compared to the future joy that is coming to Judah. Now, of course, we often think, oh, if only we could get back to the days of past, those good old days. And I'm sure some in Isaiah's day felt the same thing. But due to their unbelief, Their joy did not last. But the Lord says here, I'm going to bring a lasting joy to you through the Messiah. We always need to remember this. Because we live in an age which there is a lot of despair and not much optimism about the future. And that's understandable for the city of man and those who don't know the Savior nor submit their lives to him. Of course, the future doesn't look bright for them. But for the church, the future realities, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the reign of Jesus Christ means for us that the future is always better than the present. Because as Scripture tells us, we will go from strength to strength for everyone who waits upon God in Zion. That's very different from Americanism. It is very different. It is easy to manipulate fearful and depressed people. It is easy to control them. It's easy to force statist governmental controls upon them. But in the church, there's a different message altogether. The gloom 2,700 years ago was temporary. And for us, the gloom is gone, beloved. And we'll see that in just a minute. But don't forget verses 1 through 3. It was a dark time. But the Lord promises to his people that your present gloom is temporary. Now, what is the Lord going to do about this? Well, we see in verses 4 through 6. How is he going to bring light and peace and joy to his people? Number 1, verse 4, he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to break the yoke of tyranny. Look at the verse there. In, look at verse 4. It says, the day of the Midianites. What's he talking about? Remember, this is about Gideon. Do you remember what happened with Gideon? The Lord delivered a great victory to his people over the Midianites Because the Israelites were strong and came down out of the mountains and hills and drove the Midianites out of town. Right? No. The Lord said, all of the fighting men that are afraid, let them go home. And a bunch of them left. 
He said, all of the fighting men who do this or that, go home. And not only, and only a very few were left. Now he says, everyone kneel down and scoop some water. And those who brought the water up to their mouth, instead of lapping it like, uh, like a dog, were the people he allowed to stay. And there were only 300 of them left. And God didn't say, I'm going to give you some advanced missile launchers. No, he says, here are the weapons I want you to take. You get your mama's water pot out of the closet. And I want you to grab a lamp and a bugle. Those will be your weapons. What? You mean we're supposed to take to fight these Midianites and that have oppressed us over the years for all these decades and basically we're supposed to go to the kitchen and get handheld appliances and a few noisemakers? God says, yes, because I need you to learn. I want you to learn. And he tells us today to learn that he uses the weak to bring down the high and the mighty. That even more, God challenges every generation of men with this challenge. My lowest weakness will beat your greatest strength. We often think, God, just send down lightning and destroy all of your enemies. Get it over with. God says, I'm not going to use any of those means. I'm going to use water pitchers and lamps and trumpets. And I'm going to beat the entire army of the Midianites. That is God's challenge. The church doesn't normally believe this. This is why we keep going through the reoccurring cycle. God blesses us. We fall asleep. God's enemies multiply again. There's persecution of the church. We lose everything we gained. And then he has to come and deliver us again. And a lot of that is still going on in the world today because we forget According to verse 4, that only God can break the burden of oppression. And with respect to his people, Gideon is not an anomaly. Gideon is a paradigm. God uses the lowly and the weak to bring down the high and the mighty. That is his intent. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Verse 5, notice he said, hey, Most days are a battle, confused, noisy, garments rolled in blood. That happened when they did more hand-to-hand combat, where now we simply do push-button fighting. But it says that their garments were rolled in blood. But God says that is going to be a day of burning and a field of fire. In other words, he says, I'm going to bring priests and victory so complete that soldiers are going to burn their uniforms. They are going to burn their uniforms. That's how great my peace will be, God says. What? That's impossible. That's what we think as we look out over our nation. You know, I read recently that since 1789, the United States has only had 20 years 
where there has been no war. Only 20 years. And yet God says, when I bring peace through righteousness, soldiers burn their uniforms because there will be no more war. And then he says, there is one more thing that I'm going to do. Verses 6 through 7. I'm going to send a child of promise. Now, what is this child? This child, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. We will see by his titles in just a moment. But remember, this isn't being done in a vacuum. Isaiah has already said in chapter 7, A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Remember earlier, David had prophesied in Psalm 22, Psalm 45, Psalm 72, that a king is to come, a messiah. He would be a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, Psalm 110. And we can trace this really all the way back to Abraham where God said, I'm going to give you a seed and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You know, it's a little strange for much of our world today to think how rapid information at that time spread without the communication devices we have today. There was no instant communication as we think of it today, of course. But keep in mind, people from the countryside were now pouring into Jerusalem. A couple of million of people. And they were all speaking of the bleak times. Everybody was talking about it. They were talking about world events. Everything the Assyrians had already done up north. Everything Syria was doing in the south and in the east to take over territory from the Israelites. They're all talking about this, and God says, don't worry, there's coming a child. Now, earlier in Isaiah chapter 3, in two places, he says, women and children will even rule over you. That's part of your judgment. But he says here, I haven't forgot my child. And let me tell you, With everything swarming around you, this is what you must fix your hope upon. This is the one to whom you must look for salvation. It is the child of promise. It is as if the Lord says, I know all this stuff is going on in the world. Why do you think I stir up the wicked? I'm going to destroy them and convert some because I want to. I'm working to chasten my people. I'm working to bring the attention to one person, Jesus Christ. Because remember, what is God's plan in history? It is that all men, all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. I know that that doesn't seem terribly important in 2016. Because we know too much. But we know too much of the wrong things. And we know too quickly so that we can't digest and really think. But God still is unchanged. He wills men to honor the Son as they honor the Father. And He'll burn up everything else, saving the church. 
All men will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. Because remember, as Ephesians tells us, chapter 1, excuse me, verse 10, his purpose for history is to bring all things into one under Christ the head. That is his goal. So God here in the midst of this confusion, and it was confusing, beloved. It was a scary time, a gloomy time, an uncertain time. But he promises them the Christ child, the Savior of the world. A little later in the narrative, Hezekiah immediately follows Ahaz. And remember, Hezekiah was the one who was pulling out his hair What do I do now that the Assyrian armies are are here? They're camped on the outskirts, and everyone is saying to Hezekiah, make your peace. Oh, surely lightning is going to come down from the sky. And Hezekiah thinks somebody's got to do something. But God gave these three simple prophecies. A virgin will conceive. Unto us a child will be born, and he will have the Holy Spirit, and he will be quick in the fear of the Lord. Don't forget all this. Don't forget this today. We have had 2,700 years to learn this lesson. With all of our problems, all of our issues, all of our struggles, in our particular conflicts, God says to us, unto you, a child has been born. He has come. Who is he? Look at his identity there in verse 6. Just a few of the descriptions here. Unto us, a child. Very significant. God didn't send Superman. God didn't send Luke Skywalker. And you know what? That's who everyone's looking for today. Give us a hero. God says, I'm going to send a baby. I'm going to send a baby because I'm going to humble your pride. I'm going to teach you. You need to be trusting my word. Because my word is more powerful than anything you seek with your eyes. It is wiser than anything you hear from men. It is brighter than all the darkness that you see around you. I'm going to send you this child. I've been promising him from the very beginning. I promised him to Adam and Eve. I I promised him to Abraham. I promised him to David. I'm going to send this child. He will be the seed of David, God's power in weakness. We forget this. We forget this. We forget this. We are looking for a home run or a touchdown. We're looking for something dramatic. We want God to intervene with fire from heaven. But God's normal providence, beloved, in building and pushing forward his kingdom is to use the weak and the despised and the lowly. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to read to you from verses 18 through 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. 
Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased to the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.